Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. Hope you have your Bible open in front of you today to Job chapter 41. This is the last chapter in the Lord's response to Brother Job. In fact, I'm not really sure why there's a chapter break between the nature poem about Behemoth and the nature poem about Leviathan. I think they probably could have gone together in the same chapter. They're basically two sides of the same coin. If Behemoth is the ultimate land animal that Job could never hope to manage, then Leviathan is the ultimate sea creature which Job could never hope to manage. Once again, commentators go back and forth as to whether we should understand Leviathan as a mythological creature, the most fearsome beast anyone could ever imagine, or whether this is just a regular creature described with acceptable poetic hyperbole. These are nature poems. As in the case of Behemoth, I favor the idea that this is a real creature, colorfully described, but I certainly wouldn't break fellowship with anyone who saw it differently. Hear now the word of the Lord, beginning at verse 1. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook, or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose, or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put a leash on him for your girls? Will traitors bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of a man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? Who has first given to me that I should repay him. Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. If you can't manage this fish or this crocodile or this whatever creature we're talking about here, how could you ever expect to manage the whole universe? And why would you ever think to critique my management of the universe? That's the question. But the Lord is enjoying his poem, so he adds another stanza. Verse 12. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his goodly frame. Who can strip off his outer garment? Who would come near him with a bridle? Who can open the doors of his face around his teeth? His terror, his back is made of rows of shields, shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go flaming torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils comes forth smoke as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals, and a flame comes forth from his mouth. In his neck abides strength, and terror dances before him. I'll just pause here. This is the part of the poem that inclines some to think that this is an intentionally fanciful description. 
No actual sea creature breathes fire and makes the sea boil, not that we know of, although it sounds like a dragon straight out of mythology, some say. However, most commentators also agree that the text is very difficult to translate here, so we should probably be cautious about holding to any particular view with too much certainty. Whether you understand this as a colorful description of an actual creature or a fanciful description of a mythological creature, the point is still the same. There are forces in the world that Job cannot control, but that represent no particular challenge to the management and providential oversight of the Lord. Therefore, God should be in charge, and Job should learn to trust him. On that point, all the commentators appear to be in agreement. Verse 23. The folds of his flesh stick together, firmly cast on him and immovable. His heart is hard as a stone, hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. At the crashing, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it does not avail, nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. For him, sling stones are turned to stubble. Clubs are counted as stubble. He laughs at the rattle of javelins. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. He spreads himself like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him, he leaves a shining wake. One would think the deep to be white-haired. On earth there is not his like, a creature without fear. He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. The point here seems pretty hard to miss. If a man can't grapple with an unruly fish, then why in the world would he contend with the Lord? It's a big world, Brother Job, and it needs a big God. Are you that God? No? Well, thankfully, I am. That is the end of God's speech, but it is not the end of the narrative. In the next chapter, we will see how Job responds, and we will watch as Job is restored. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And I hope to see you again tomorrow, right here, for another episode of Into the Word. Before.